Welcome to North Bay Christ the King. You're listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11 o'clock at our campus location in Birch Bay, Washington. Thank you for tuning in. not grow up in a Christian home. I had a very flawed view of who God was. And because of that, I stayed away from, from church or anything to do with faith. My, my father died when I was at a young age. And, and therefore, I, I thought that God was either cruel for allowing that to happen, or he was completely distant, that he, he, he wasn't near enough to change things. So I had a flawed perspective about who God was. But more than that, I didn't find God accessible. Do you find God accessible? Can you get to him? Do you know where he is? I think a lot of us, we, we've learned, those who have, have grown up around church or those who have done this for, for, for any length of time, we kind of know what it is to come in and participate, to stand when we're told, to sit when we're told, to pass the elements, to sing the songs. But do you walk into a gathering like this with anticipation that you are going to encounter the living God in such a way that will impact your life, that will change your perspective, that will give Give you what you need that week to go out into a hurt, lost, and broken world and share the love of Jesus and, and know how to love people rightly. Have a foundation for, for the decisions that we make and the reason that we live. Well, I had none of that. My idea of, of God was flawed. My idea of church was flawed. But, but really, I did not find God accessible. I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't understand with, with, with the, the guys on the street and the different churches seeming to argue around. It, it didn't seem like people could agree on what was God, God was like. They could only agree on the fact that they were okay having differences and treating themselves harshly because of that. But there was one principle that if I would have known earlier on would have helped me out a lot in my search for God. And that is this. God is hidden. God is hidden. And in a, in a world full of shortcuts and quick fixes, we want to minimize the story and just throw it on a bumper sticker and give it to people so people can say that they agree with the right things. And the problem is, is when we simplify the entire story of God into a bumper sticker, sticker type of message. It is stripped of the mystery, but more than that, for you personally, it's stripped of the pursuit. And God has intentionally hidden himself. God intentionally hides himself. Why? So that you will pursue him. So that you will move aside any of the other distractions in your life and say, there is nothing greater to go after. But for a person to stop putting their energy towards this thing and start putting it towards this thing, that person needs to believe that expending their energy in this direction will be greater. And that's where faith comes in. 
God is saying, do you believe, and not only just intellectually agree that I exist, but are you willing to reprioritize, rearrange the way that you spend your week, the way that you think your thoughts, the way that you live your life, and, and pursue me? And I wish I would have known God was hidden. It would have helped me out. It would have helped me understand why knowing God requires faith. This summer... This cast of characters that we're looking at is from Hebrews chapter 11. And and we look at at what has been known as the heroes of the faith. And we go through this list and we see that they've got a few things in common. One is they too, like us, are completely flawed. I think that's kind of what it means to be human. But, but, But the writers of the Bible... You know, in, uh, in, in other faiths, sometimes you, you want to make the person you're following seem almost like they're superhuman. And the legends and the Greek and the Roman gods were just making these people to be magnificent. And then you read the Bible and it, and it just looks like a bunch of mess ups. And, and really, that's because the central character through all the story of the Bible is not a particular hero or person God used at a certain time. It is, it is God himself. But we see that within this list that people are flawed. The other thing that we see and the reason that they're listed there is that they have faith. Now, for you and I, our faith is flawed as long as we think our flaws keep us from faith. And that's one of the things we'll be looking at this summer is, is our flaws don't keep us from faith. Uh, very simply, they reveal our need for faith. When I was younger, I, 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 I thought, I'm not sure I can do this. Like, does God know how messed up I am? And it's totally normal when you see how massive and huge God is compared to him to feel like we are completely flawed and broken. But what's incredible is, is that's a starting point that God works from. This is normal. When we see how big he is, we see how small we are. When we see how perfect he is, we see how imperfect we are. So flaws don't keep us from faith. They simply provide the foundation for our faith. So if you look with me in Hebrews chapter 11, I'd like to encourage you this summer to read this chapter. It'd be great if you'd read this whole book. This book was very foundational for my faith. You can, you can get an app which will actually read to you in, in a British language. Because we all know that that's how the people of God spoke. So just hit the button and you just feel like the angels will be like, you know. But there's really no excuse for us in 2017 to not have the word of God around us. Uh, so, so while it's easy to access the word of God. God is hidden and wants us to pursue him. And he knows our heart and our motivation as we do. And I just encourage you to be honest with that as you read through and you get in God's word this summer. But verse one says, faith is confidence. This is the NIV. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It says, this is what the ancients were commended for. And then he gives a list of the ancients later on. But, but when I memorized this verse when I was younger, it says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. And I remember reading that saying, okay, I'm going to try really hard to be sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to try really hard to be certain. But, the, but it presents a problem. What if we're not sure? What if we're not certain? 
Faith isn't asking us to try really, really hard to believe in something we don't really believe in. Faith is asking us to bring who we really are to a God who knows everything and to honestly and humbly ask him to begin to change us. Faith is believing that he will. By faith, verse 3, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen is not made out of what is visible. In this series, it's, it's, it's really been incredible to me seeing the link between faith and creation, more specifically the creator. Uh, I've heard several people state that if you can believe the first chapter or the first verse of the Bible, that believing the rest isn't that difficult. If you can believe that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, then, then seeing the rest of the miracles that happen throughout the story, it's not that difficult. But the, but the people of faith believed not only in, in, in who God was, but in, who, in what God said he did. Do you believe that? Do you believe what God said he did? God's word says that he created everything, that he spoke it into existence, that he created it out of nothing. Now with major scientific advancements and science is just able to measure what we can see, uh, there, are, there are believers with various beliefs about how long this whole thing went down. And we're not going to get into that, but what we have to agree upon is that it was all started, that it was all put in place, that it was all brought to being by the greatest being that ever existed, our unseen God. And, the, and, and this is what they had faith in. They had faith and confidence in what they could not see, but they had faith and confidence that the universe that they could see was formed by God. If you skip ahead to verse 8, specifically today, I am looking at the character of Abraham. And, and, and there is tension in, throughout this story, but I'm going to end uh, my message with what I think is one of the greatest parts of the Bible, the unseen parts of, of the Bible maybe. And, and, and I, I, I want us to look at Abraham through, through kind of our own lens, through this lens of feeling uncertain. Uh, like I said, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you cannot see. But this lens of, of being uncertain or this lens of feeling unqualified or this lens of, of, of being unsure where God is and if he will do what he says he will do. And we see this through Abraham's life. Abram was uncertain. He was unqualified. He was unsure. Verse 8. Abraham, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder was God. Abraham didn't know what God was going to do in, in regards to Jesus. We get that opportunity, but Abraham was willing to, to move his entire family by belief that God was going to set up and establish the kingdom of God here on earth. 
So by faith, he went. If we look at Genesis 12, it tells the story specifically. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and will be a blessing. Sometimes we hear that and we're just like, if God could speak to me that way, if God could, could just come down and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, I'll make you great. I'll make your name a, a, a great blessing. Then I would believe. And you know, sometimes we read stories in the New Testament of the disciples walking with Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to hear God? And wouldn't it be, be great to be face to face with him like his disciples were? But Jesus says... Blessed are those who've seen me and believe, but blessed more are those who believe in their testimony. What this means is we actually here today have opportunity for greater faith than Abraham. We actually have opportunity for greater faith than the disciples So we have to be very careful. Are we looking for faith or are we looking for proof? Because proof demands that God show us something that that I I, want to show today that I think he's already shown. But, But faith says, I am going to trust and believe you based on the testimony of those who have gone before. Those in Hebrews 11, the disciples in the New Testament, you can have greater faith. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. If you receive a blessing today, it's through Abraham. So Abram went and the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. He took his wife, his nephew, and all his possessions that they had acquired. And they set out for the land of Canaan or Canaan, depending on which button you hit on your translation. The scripture here doesn't say how long it took Abraham to get all of his possessions together. It simply said that they went. And some biblical scholars actually believe that it was Abraham's father who was originally called to go. And that he would have finished, if he would have finished the journey, that he would have been the father of the faith that we now know Abraham to be. And they believe this in chapter 11, a few verses earlier. It says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson, uh, which was, was Lot and his daughter-in-law, Sarah, the wife of his son, Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans, which is between Iraq and Iran. And, and, and he went through what is modern Syria and he got just across Syria into Turkey. And that's where he stopped. It says, but when he came, he settled there. So they were near the Persian Gulf and they were heading towards the Mediterranean Sea. If you understand, this is my map here, by the way. That's kind of what I got going on. Uh, But they stopped. The scripture actually says, they settled there. Have you settled? Is there a place in your life where God asked you to move and you got about halfway and somehow convinced yourself that that was good enough? You gone halfway farther than your neighbors? You went halfway farther than the rest of your family? Because if God called you to move, he, he called you to move all the way. 
If he calls you to marriage, he wants you to finish it. If he calls you to faith, he wants you to believe all of your days. If he calls you to give, he wants you to give generously. If he has called you to the land of purity, he wants you to be pure. Maybe he's called you to the land of forgiveness and he doesn't want you to settle with unforgiveness. Have you settled? Some have rationale in their brain that, that, that allows them to only go halfway. And it seems for some reason that Abram's father settled halfway. But when he died, God speaks to Abraham and asks him to move. And the reason scholars believe that, that, that the call might have gone to Abraham's father is he doesn't, he doesn't say that he's moving from here in Turkey to the Mediterranean Sea. He said that I'm the one that called you out of Ur of the Chaldeans over here by the Persian Gulf. So he basically says that the call went back here. And that's why people think that the call must have gone to his father. But if you've never been called to go somewhere you don't know or do something that you don't understand, then there is a very good chance today you have no idea what it means to live by faith. And this is where American Christian culture often robs us of an ability to strengthen our faith muscles by simply giving us simple little bumper sticker answers and formulas that allow us to be civil and agreeable with each other, but never demand that we live by faith. God speaks in ways that are unpredictable. And if God has never spoken to you in a way that calls you out of your comfort zone or asks you to think in ways that you don't naturally think, then there is a good chance you are interpreting your God experience and even God's word through your own lens and therefore becoming the big G God in your life. Because if, if we learn to put God greater than everything, like I said, if God is massive, we see how small we are. And if God is huge, he is going to call us to do things that we don't think we are able to do. And he is going to reveal things about us that we previously thought were okay and ask us to change some of those things. God wants us to live by faith. It's less about our safety and security and more about God's ability. Faith is trust in action. We don't know for sure if God spoke to Abram's father, but we do know that Abraham responded to what he heard. And we also, I don't know how God spoke to your parents. I don't know how God speaks to your neighbors, but I do know that God is desperately seeking for you to go after him, to seek for him, to search for him, be honest about your insufficiencies and ask him for faith. Our series in a sentence for the summer is that God uses flawed people who are willing to walk with him by faith. God uses flawed people, which is good. At Christ the King, we're creating an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to flawed people, of which I'm one of the greatest. We're not asking you to put faith in leaders around here. We're not asking you to put faith in people uh, we're not asking you to put faith in musicians. We're asking you to put faith in creator God. Faith is not something you profess. It's not just something you can say you believe in. That type of faith will be tested. Faith is not something you possess. It's not just something you own. That type of faith might be taken away. But faith is, is what you express. Faith is what you show in action. Faith is not just simply believing in 
but it is trusting in. So there's a difference between acknowledging, I think that's a good deal, and really cashing in all, all of your life's chips to go all in. Faith begins by taking one small step into the great unknown. Abraham was willing to take a step of faith. If you follow God for any length of time, you will notice that, that following God is kind of a two-step forward, one-step back thing. You take two steps to say, God, 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 and then something inevitably gets exposed. It's like there's a leak in the boat. You know, we, 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 we set off, which is great, but then all of a sudden there's little problems. And, and, and sometimes people get frustrated or they think that that is showing that they never should have gone in the journey in the first place. But if we have faith, we know that God is going to, to show the areas that need to be worked on a little bit. And that's okay. What I want people to know that are taking steps of faith is that it will not be easy. It will be difficult. It will not go perfect. It will actually maybe crumble a little bit. But God exposes us in the areas of our life that he wants to work on and work in. More often than not, you'll be exposed. And we see that in Abraham as well. It's almost as if scriptures want to say, hey, he's a good guy, but he's not that good. Take a look at what happens in verse 10. There's a famine in the land. Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, I know how beautiful you are. And when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they'll let you live. So, why don't you just say that you're my sister, and then that way I'll be treated well. They'll be like, hey, your sister's pretty good looking. Hey, let's buy you a drink. And, and he is, is, is saying, my life will be spared because of you. There is a theological term for what Abram is experiencing. This term is called scaredy cat. <laughs> He's being a scaredy cat. I don't blame him though. I can't go anywhere without my beautiful wife, Christina, or with my beautiful wife, Christina, and not worry that someone is going to strike me on the head and try and take her. It's just the world I live in, folks. In fairness to Abraham, though, he was, not tra or he was traveling to and through a violent country. And we don't have those same conditions if we go up to Canada. At least hopefully not. But God had spoken directly to Abraham. And here we see Abraham is afraid. He was more afraid for his own life than for the safety of his wife. And if you're a man, you know how wrong that is. He would rather lie and protect himself then tell the truth and live with the consequences. And the Bible doesn't tell this story so we'll deceive our neighbors. This passage is included so that we see even after we encounter God, even if we mess up, we can still be used by Him. If we're flawed, God says I can work through that. The mistakes of others are not to justify our mistakes. The mistakes of others are often to help keep us from them. But there's good news in this. This means if God spoke to you when you were younger and you ran, or if God spoke to you last night and you're uncertain how you're going to respond, that God's not done with you yet. You may be flawed, but you're not disqualified. 
Our faith is made solid when the object we place our faith in is solid. And there's nothing more solid than Jesus Christ. And throughout history, God has worked more through flawed people with solid faith than through solid put together people with flawed faith. Throughout history, God has worked more through flawed people who are willing to put their faith, their life, their reputation in God's hands than people that felt pretty, pretty put together and just kind of put their faith in things that really aren't worth putting their faith into. Abraham was uncertain and certainly he was unqualified. He spent a lifetime trying to bring about God's promises in his own way. God promised him as a son, and he didn't know how it was going to happen, so we take shortcuts. And in spite of all the shortcuts he took, in spite of the ways he could have disqualified himself, God still did what God said that he would do. And while he was unsure when he was younger that God would give him a son, he seemed sure when he was older that God would provide. And, and, and I find myself, I, I know what it is to be uncertain and not sure if God said something or if he, if he said left or right. I know what it is to, to, to feel unqualified. And, and, um, and here we see that something happened where Abraham went from being unsure that God would give him a son to being willing to sacrifice the very answered prayer that God gave him. And in Genesis 22, you're familiar with this story. God tested Abraham. He said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, some people think this is cruel. They see God as being cruel here. Because they think that God interferes in asking him not to ultimately sacrifice. But, but let me ask you this. Did Abraham sacrifice his son? Did Abraham sacrifice the idol that he had made his son into and put God first? He most certainly did. God just intervened because Abraham didn't need to actually take his son's life in order to rearrange his priorities and make God greater than his son was. Early the next morning, he got up and loaded his donkey. He took off when he'd cut enough wood. He set out for the place God told him about. And, and we know this story and how it leads to Jesus, how it shows what God ultimately did with his son on our behalf. But what I want you to hear is the speed of Abraham's response. If God asked you to do something as ridiculously crazy as this, wouldn't you, you know, blog about it or call 15 of your friends or put it in the prayer letter, take two or three months just wandering around thinking about it, maybe do the Gideon thing, you know, you're flipping the carpet back and forth, seeing if it's dewy or not dewy. I get that. We get that. But Abram wakes up early the next morning, gets everything together and says, let's go, son. Faith responds immediately. And you will be in far more faith when you kind of hinder and him and haw than you will by just saying, God, I trust you. And Abraham in this moment says, God, I trust you. How would your life look differently if you obeyed God instantly? There are a lot of things in the Bible that are not clear. We know this. We can search the scriptures and there are a lot of situations that the Bible does not directly or specifically speak to. This is why God asks us to develop wisdom and to understand like the principles in play in the decisions that we're making. 
But there are those things that we know at a soul level are right or wrong. And we know specifically what God is calling us to do or not to do. How would our life look differently if we responded instantly to those things? What we see from Abraham is that he responded by faith. He didn't settle. He was flawed. God promises many descendants and he took a shortcut. And again, this is is not about the Bible being full of perfect people, but a perfect God. And one of the reasons I wanted to share about Abraham is not only his uncertainty, not only that he was unqualified or unsure, but I think he got to see perhaps one of the coolest prophetic messages ever delivered in the history of the world. And what I want is for us to have faith in this message to the degree that we would be willing to say, I might be flawed, I might be unqualified, but I'm going to believe God that you would use me and that we would step into faith in whatever circumstances you're in and respond quickly knowing who God is and compared to him that there is not a safer place that we could be than with obedient faith. But in Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid. I'm your shield, your very great reward, your great reward. And Abram basically says, you've given me no children. But verse six says he believed the Lord and accredited to him as righteousness he, he, he had no kids, but he believed God was going to do something. Do you believe God is going to do something in your life? Because we should just start right there. Is this why we gather? Because I'm telling you what, I did not give up the life I used to live to come and play church. I believe that God is going to do something. I don't know what yet, but my belief, my confidence, my faith is in the one who gave his life for me. And I go to him and I say, God, all the time, I don't believe. Help me in my unbelief. I don't have this down. I'm not perfect. I'm not coming from, from, from a place of perfection. But I am saying that Abram placed his faith in God. And so should we. He says in verse 8, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I'll gain possession of it? And God says, The Lord said to him, Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram. Well, right there, Abram goes on cruise control. And for us to understand what happens here, we need to understand the idea of a covenant. A covenant is something that the people of God used to make that would symbolize it's much higher than a promise. It's basically saying, I would rather die than break my word. And this is how they symbolized it. They would take an animal and they would cut it in half. And they would, they would clean up one side and put it over here. And they would clean up the other side and put it over here. And then they would make an agreement together. And if they were a married couple, they would hold hands and they would pass through this agreement together. They were saying the two parties are as one, but we are agreeing that if we break this decision, if we break this covenant, then let us be torn in two. Let us bleed. Let us die. Kind of intensifies the marriage commitment, right? But that's what God is calling us to is a marriage covenant. 
But a marriage, but 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 a marriage wasn't the only type of covenant. There were covenants made between lesser and greater parties, where maybe there's a greater party that's a landowner, has a bunch of land, and there's there's a lesser party that doesn't have much, but 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 a good work ethic, and he will come to the greater party and say, "Look, if you would let me work this land, I will work it hard, and I will work it diligently, and I will make enough to pay back for you the land that you are loaning me, and so much so I will make a." covenant with you, I will walk through the pieces and basically say, if I don't live up to my part, then let me be cut in two. Let me be broken. Let me bleed. Let me die. But we never see, we never see throughout covenant history, a place where the greater party is making a deal with the lesser party. Could you imagine someone saying, I have $10 million to loan you. I'll give it to you even though you don't have a job and all you do is sit around on your butt and play video games. But I'll give you $10 million and if you don't repay that, then I will die. Who would make a deal like that? Who would make a deal knowing that the person not only has no motivation to repay, but they're, they're just not going to repay it? You would have to either be a crazy person or a loving person. And so Abram, he hears, okay, bring me a goat, bring me a sheep. I don't care what we got. I'm going to cut it in half and we're going to put it in two sides. Okay, God, you just tell me, what am I committing to? Because my faith is in you. You've given me the promises. I do believe that you're with me. I believe that you're totally with me and I'm ready. Let's do this. What What are we committing to? What is our covenant? And here's the deal. Abram doesn't need to walk between the pieces. If he did, he surely would have died. God doesn't ask Abraham to walk between the pieces. This is where we see the greater making a covenant with the lesser. I told you God is hidden. And if we look and we see verse 17, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. God's power through a fire pot and a torch just comes through and goes like. God is saying, look. Not only am I making this covenant, but I'm putting my entire life on the line. And if you break it, if you aren't able to, if you are flawed, if you're not able to live it out, then you would have to die. But if, but if, if the covenant is broken between you and I, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to be broken. I'm going to bleed. I'm going to die. Who wouldn't take that deal? If the God creator of the universe says, look, you're flawed, you're broken. There's no way that you can repay, but I will go to all lengths that I can to reveal myself to you. And if you will live for me, I will bless you. But I want you to see me. I want you to pursue me. I want you to know me by faith. Is that the deal you've made? Because it's the deal that God made. And then he actually left the comfort of heaven and became a baby And for your sake and mine, he was broken and he bled and he died and he fulfilled his word. And then he tells all of us, if you want to see me, you can, but you have to pursue me and you have to live by faith. You might be flawed. You might be uncertain. You might be unqualified. You might be unsure, but I am with you. Will you put faith in me? Let us pray together.
Father God, I am so ridiculously thankful for how you expressed your love to me. And I know with with all of my knowing that I am getting the great end of this deal. And God, though I've been uncertain and unsure, and though I'm unqualified, God, you pass between the pieces. Though I, 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 I see you as hidden and, and, and unaccessible, you revealed yourself in your time at a time that I don't get to physically see, but I get an opportunity to believe by faith that you were broken, you bled, and you died. Father God, I ask that faith would spring forth in this room, that faith would spring forth in, in, in Birch Bay, in Blaine, in all the areas that people will walk, that they will know that you are with them. And in spite of their flaws, they will know that you are working today, God. Would you give us a faith that anticipates that you are still working and you are, you are going to do more than we could ask or imagine? God, help us. We believe. Help us in our unbelief. God, give us faith. In your name, Jesus. Amen.